we have been looking at the tongue and talking about how we need to monitor our words. And in the lessons that we have had on the tongue, we have learned that the tongue or the mouth speaks what the heart is full of, right? So it seems that it is important that we examine our hearts to make sure that our hearts are in right alignment, that we are in alignment with uh, the word of God and how God would have us to live and behave. So today we're going to focus on the matter or a matter of the heart. And one of those matters is iniquity. Mm, That's a word, right? Let's go to Micah chapter two. Now, y'all, this book of Micah is a really good read. You, You should really read it. It sets the stage like it's a trial. It's a courtroom and God has a case against um, the two capitals, Samaria and Jerusalem. He has a case against the leaders and he also has a case against the people. You should read it. It's only seven chapters. And I plan on doing uh, maybe a couple of lessons from this book, Um, but read it. You can read it in a short amount of time, but I encourage you to take your time reading it. Don't read it just to finish it, but read it to feed on it. Y'all know what that means, right? I'm learning what that means. I've been taught that. And um, to feed on it means to gain some nourishment from it, to receive some sustenance that will help with the spiritual development and growth of our lives. And we want to be able to uh, grow and allow the word of God to, you know, cause us to become the people that he wants us to be. And so that we can also be able to pour out effectively to others. But let's go into Micah chapter two. That's where I'm starting today. So Micah chapter two, verse number one says, woe to those who plan iniquity, to those who plot evil on their beds. At morning's light, they carry it out because it is in their power to do it. Now, when I came to this particular chapter and I saw this word, woe, you know, it kind of stopped me in my track. And so I wanted to look it up and uh, discover its meaning because I've read it throughout scripture. I've read it in the Old Testament. I've read it in the New Testament. Jesus issues some woes himself. So what is woe? Woe is an exclamation of judgment upon God's enemies. Oh yeah, enemies. God has enemies and this woe is an exclamation of judgment. Now we don't want to be in the category of God's enemies. Woe is also being in so much trouble that an escape out of it seems impossible. And lastly, woe refers to impending doom, condemnation, and wrath of God. So this is a serious word. You know, it, it, it should, it should capture your attention and make you pay uh, attention to what follows these words. So what follows this woe rather is to those who plan iniquity. Woe, okay? Judgment is coming upon those who plan iniquity. Now let's talk about iniquity, okay? Let's talk about it. Some liken it to just sin 
or saying that they are synonymous. You know, we know sin is what God opposes sin. He does not like sin. It's bad in his eyesight. <laughs> if sin is bad in his eyesight, iniquity, iniquity is worse. Okay. Iniquity is much worse. Let's look at a definition of iniquity for you all. Iniquity is premeditated sin. Did you hear what I said? Iniquity is premeditated sin. This, you know what it means by premeditated? It's planned in advance. So this is no accident. (laughs) No, you deliberately did it. It's done deliberately. It's done consciously. It's calculated. It's contrived. It's intentional. You know, it's a decision that proceeds without repentance. It means you do it without any regret or any remorse. It's something that is thought about and then carried out. You see the severity of iniquity and why God says, woe to those who plan it. That means you meditated on it, mulled over it. He says they lay on their beds and plot evil, come up with all kinds of schemes, you know, to to do wrong. And God is against this. Now, iniquity, because we're talking about the heart, it's an action that reveals the attitude of our hearts. Iniquity reveals the attitude of our hearts. If it's a planned, deliberate, deliberate, conscious, calculated, contrived uh, thing, then it shows where our heart is and where our heart is towards God. Okay, let me see how I can help you with this. Have you ever said, I don't care what you say, I'm going to do what I want to do. I can say, ouch, and I can say yes, because I have been this way. I have said this thing. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And, you know, some people today, you know, we're talking about relationship and, you know, they, they look at it like this. Well, the Bible is old. The Bible is antiquated. The Bible is out of date. Um, It does not fit or agree with the standards of the culture today. Thank God it does not. (laughs) So some people make up their mind to do things that God has called evil because they are in disagreement with the word. You know, God has called things evil and we're now calling those things good. So it can reveal the attitude of the heart. Any planned um, evil, it shows what's in your heart. We've been here. We've all been here, right? The Bible tells us that many are the plans of man, or let me say it how Proverbs says it. It says, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. We have plans. God gives us free will. He gives us the ability to choose our course, but God wants us to choose him, to choose his way. Why? Because he created us 
um, with the intent of being in relationship with us. God created us, made us um, out of the love that he has and the love that he wants to share with us. Remember what the Bible says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Now this belief is more than a confession of the mouth. You know, it has to have an accompanying action that shows a new life. Let's get back to this. Um, so here our hearts are important in our relationship with God. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter seven and look at verse 21 through 23. Jesus says these words, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Pause. What did Jesus say? He's saying simply calling me Lord, it will not be enough. That is not the ticket that will get you into the gates of heaven. Pay attention. He says only those who do the will of my father who is in heaven. He says, those who will gain access, those who will be with me in heaven are those who obey, those who do what God wants. Let's go back to what it says in Proverbs. You know, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that will prevail. Let's go back to iniquity. Iniquity, one of the things about iniquity is it reveals the attitude of our hearts. It's us doing our will above God's will. When we fall into just doing what we want to do because we say we are free to do it, then we are in jeopardy of losing our place in heaven with Jesus because of our stubbornness, all right? Because Jesus says it's those who do the will of his Father who will join him in heaven. Let's continue with Matthew chapter 7. Let's go to verse 22. At the end of time, on that day of judgment, many will say to me, many will say to Jesus, this is Jesus talking, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive demons out in your name? Did we not perform miracles in your name? This is this is what the person is going to say because Jesus is telling them, hey, look, just because you call me Lord, Lord, that ain't enough. But their response is, well, wait a minute. Didn't we, we did some things in your name. Everything we did, we did in your name. But look what Jesus is saying to them in the 23rd verse of Matthew chapter seven. But I will say to them, I never knew you. And now you must get away from me, you evildoers. Now, the King James Version says of verse 24, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. He said, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Now, Micah was telling the people um, in the Old Testament about the woes to those who plan iniquity, who plot evil on their bed, right? We talked about that. Now here Jesus is in the New Testament saying essentially the same thing. Workers of iniquity, oh, there's a severe penalty for your action. 
right? Jesus is saying that I don't know you because you practice evil. This is severe. And it's so severe. I want you to pay attention to this because Jesus says, depart from me. He says, I never knew you. But look, these are people who were doing things in the name of Jesus. But Jesus did not know them. Why didn't Jesus know them? It had to do with the heart, y'all. It had to do with the heart. Jesus said that they were evildoers, that they worked iniquity, meaning that they deliberately sinned. They had a heart condition and their heart condition was unholy. It was unrighteous. It goes back to what Micah says. He says, you know, um, that in, in this, well, l- let me, let me tell you, tell it to you like this. In Micah, God had a case against the people. And what these leaders were doing is that they were oppressing the people. They were full of greed and they were covetous. They wanted what others had. Their heart was not right towards God. So Jesus here in this seventh chapter of Matthew is saying that these people were evildoers. They worked iniquity. Jesus said, I do not know them. Okay. They had no real relationship. They had no real connection with Jesus. Outwardly, y'all, they looked the part. They looked the part. They were walking around. Look what they were doing. They were um, prophesying in Jesus's name. They were driving out demons in Jesus's name. And they were performing miracles in Jesus's name. Now, you know, God is merciful. And so maybe he honored it because of the people who um, were the recipients of the deliverance or the healing because of their faith and because of their belief. Um, But the ones who were actually performing these things in Jesus's name, Jesus said he didn't know them. He didn't know them. I want you to remember something here that outwardly they looked the part, but inwardly they were evil. Their heart had a problem. Their heart um, was full of evil. Now, one of the things that we got to remember is this is what Jeremiah said in the 17th chapter in the ninth verse. He said, the heart is deceitful above all things. He says, who can understand it? You really don't know what's in your heart. Many times we don't until we reach a certain situation where we have to act or we have to respond to something. And sometimes you are surprised at your action. You're surprised at the words that came out of your mouth because it's something still in the heart that needs to be dealt with, all right? Now notice what God says in Jeremiah 17, verse 10. He says, I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward a man according to his conduct according to what his deeds deserve. So God can see the inward part. Remember, that's what he told um, Samuel when he was going to anoint a king. And God said, 
when he saw Jesse's son, he says, don't look at his outward appearance. He said, you look at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. So in this passage, look at this is this is something, y'all, we got to really think about. Sin causes a conflict. Sin causes controversy between God and man. Where sin is prevalent, where sin abounds, there can be no unity. There can be no togetherness when there is unconfessed sin in our lives. Get this, Isaiah 59 verse 1 said, surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Look, when we have unconfessed sin in our lives, when we are deliberate in maintaining a lifestyle that is apart from God, we are risking him not hearing us him having a dull ear towards us, him not having uh, arms to reach out to save us and deliver us because what's happening is these iniquities are separating. They're creating a wedge. They're putting a uh, wall between us and God. What we got to remember here is that sin offends God. Sin really does offends God. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 7. Jesus says, I never knew you. Look, <laughs> they were working, but Jesus said, I never knew you. Not that I knew you and I forgot about you, but I never knew you. What does this mean? This means that either they they never had salvation. They never had it. I'm just going to say it like that. They never had it. Did they believe in Jesus for real? Because he remember John 3, 16 says that God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him, right? That's right. Shall not perish, but have everlasting, everlasting life. Jesus said, I never knew you. Did they ever repent of their sins? Did they truly love one another as Jesus had commanded? These people were going about looking the part, but they were not complying to the ordinance of God. They were not complying to the words of God. They were not acting as if they belonged to God. They did not act as if they had had a conversion experience, a change, a transformation. Look, there are things that show up in the lives of people. And we see leaders and stuff, teachers and preachers of the gospel who can really expound on the word of God, but yet they have no compassion for the people. They are greedy. They are 
envious. And you know, sometimes if we have these things in our hearts, this is something we need to look at because it's a matter of the heart, remember? And iniquity is one of those things that's in our hearts. Look, 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 I just thought about something. Psalms 66, verse number 18. Let's, let's go to Psalm 66, verse number 18. I gotta hurry up and get through this. Um, Psalm 66 and verse number 18. I'm almost there, y'all. Turning these pages in this Bible. Look, 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 look what it says in verse number 18. It says, if I had cherished, the King James says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Okay? What is he saying? That if we cherish sin or if we have unconfessed sin in our hearts, God is not listening. He doesn't have an obligation or, um, yeah, an obligation to turn his ear to us to hear or answer our prayers. So it behooves us to get our hearts right with God. Jesus said, I never knew you. He said, I never knew you. He didn't know them because um, they were not walking in the light. Jesus is the light. They weren't walking in the light. Their, their iniquity was separating them. Pay attention to this, please. Confessing Christ as Lord is a serious matter, right? Saying he's your Lord, but behaving how you want to is counter to your confession. And it keeps you from being known by Jesus. See, we want to be known by people. We want people to elevate and exalt us. But it's best and better to be known by Jesus. You know, I read this book by R.T. Kendall called The uh, Audience of One, An Audience of One. And in that book, he emphasizes throughout that we are not to be those who are seeking the pleasure of men, but to be seeking the pleasure of God and him alone. Doesn't matter where you speak, where you go, what you do. Remember that you're doing it always in front of God. Don't worry about the people. If you please God, oh man, <laughs> you've done the absolute best thing. Now look, Lord is someone whom you serve or you are obedient to. And it's um, a service. You know, when you say Lord, these things are expected of the one that you are calling Lord, that service and obedience. And Jesus was saying in this passage, Matthew chapter seven, is that why do you call me that? And then you don't do what I say. A Lord is due obedience, right? Is and Jesus is not a uh, what do you want to call it? A a gravel toting uh, ruler or some hard task master. He's full of compassion, grace, and truth. He says, take upon uh, you my, my yoke. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He doesn't put unnecessary things on us. So obeying him, oh, that should be a privilege and a joy. So look at this. 
What do we do with this heart of ours? Because there are matters of the heart that must be settled. We want to make sure that we are in relationship with Jesus. We don't want the day of judgment to come and Jesus say to us, I don't know you. That's hard. I would, I wouldn't, I, I would be truly embarrassed. Um for Jesus to say that. And then to say that I was a worker of iniquity because I was doing my will and not God's will. Yeah, we got to ask God according to Psalms 139. This is verses 23 and 24. To search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thought. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. The New Living Translation says, point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Listen, my friends, we need to make sure that our hearts are in the right position with God. We don't know our hearts. We don't. Jeremiah tells us that it is, <laughs> he says, the heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? But God says, I search the heart. We can even ask him like the psalmist to search search us, search our hearts, test us, know our anxious thought. If there's anything there that's unlike him, we want it gone because we want to be in right relationship with him. We don't want Jesus to say to us, depart because he never knew us, workers of iniquity. Father, we are thanking you today for this word. And it is our prayer today that you would search our hearts test us and know our anxious thought. Point out anything in us that offends you, but lead us along the path of everlasting life. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for your help, your cleansing. We thank you, Father, for your salvation, your joy, your love and peace. Hallelujah. Now, this has been your daily dose. <laughs> Remember this, a daily dose of God's word. It's good for the soul. You guys be blessed. <laughs>